0: of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi Is a room full of bozos.
1: Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hanses. I'm in a room, it's just filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? It's draft night. Hey, Dan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Guess what? Tonight, April 26th, 2018, the future of the Jets and the Browns may have changed forever. And so, too, the fate and future of this very podcast. Woo-wee! Mark? It's very possible. We might not be the doormats anymore if we just get a little help from these young quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield at number one, and my boy, Scam for Sam Darnold, number three overall.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's two teams that it's fair for... Both fan bases to feel a little snake bitten when it comes to picking quarterbacks. Both the Jets and Browns have tried, but that doesn't mean you just stop trying. You have to keep keep going for that position. Otherwise, you're you're going to deal with the cast off RG threes, the Josh McCowns mm. from now until the end of time. And so, I am really, I really could not care less. And we'll get into it what anyone thinks about these quarterback picks tonight. I could not. Give any less of an S about what anyone thinks this evening about it, we'll have to see how it plays out.
3: You seem annoyed by a lot of what people think. So,
2: um, I find our newsroom an appalling place to <laughs> witness NFL <laughs> events in general. But um, that's probably a large part of it. I think if I had been somewhere in a different setting, my my mood would be different.
4: It's amazing. Like after five years, we know that well, a- after a year or two, it was clear that nothing stuck to Mark's crawl, like some random people coming up to the newsroom and asking him questions about the Browns. <laughs> and it happens, like, every time we're in the newsroom.
1: What? Well, my take on yep. this, because I was in great spirits uh, once the, t- the pick came in with Darnold, who I really didn't think the Jets had a chance at, and the fact that he fell to three, I'm very optimistic, and I'm really hopeful about the future of the franchise, who knows if he actually can play. But today, and that's why I love, especially if you're a fan of a, a downtrodden organization like myself, um, like, like Mark. That's why, me personally, I'm on the other end where you are, Mark, whereas, like, I don't know if this guy Darnold can actually play. I don't know. And he might actually end up being another USC quarterback that's a middling guy or worse. But in this moment right now, I'm just going to soak in the possibility and the optimism around it. And, Greg, you've been to a bunch of drafts. I've been to drafts. Uh, We've all been to drafts. The best part about the draft, then, not so much – it's not a great coverage event, and that's why we don't go, and that's why we're in Culver City, uh, is that there's not a lot of, like, access, and it's it's a different type of uh, beast. But one thing it is, it's really – it's such an optimistic, happy event. So that's where I'm at right now. I'm really happy that the Jets got Darnold. I'm really excited about the future in a way that I haven't been uh, in a long time. And leading into today, I was – terrified. I couldn't even I couldn't sit still in my house. I cleaned out my my whole closet. (laughs) I watched. Luckily, the Yankees were on. So I had a chance to watch them. I got on the Peloton and and rode the bike. And I was just like trying not to think about it because this was such a big draft for both of our teams, Marks, but also a bunch of other teams that need a quarterback and and a a fresh start. And we're going to get to all that today.
3: And that they did it in such a fun way. I mean, I I love seeing your guys's energy coming into the draft and excitement. It energizes me uh, to some degree because like, you know, like by yesterday I could feel the Sessler kind of flow rising, you know, because you spend <laughs> hours on a Sessler mock draft. That's only happening if the Browns are at the top of the draft, maybe taking a player he's excited about. By late at, by late at night, he's sending out texts, Browns and Jets rising, Patriots imploding, new <laughs> AFC dawning, backyards burning, sweet bleep. Well, and, no, and nobody responded to the text, so I
2: thought that hit like a, a dead weight in water. I, like I don't know what I need to get a rise out of out of this. Group. I was a little <laughs> under the
3: weather. I was honestly asleep before you even sent that. I was mark. drunk, but I couldn't. I, I couldn't help but notice the difference in uh, tenor between that and the the mark that I saw uh, before the draft. That. that you know, at four o'clock today. Well, well, we
2: can get into it, but I there. No, I. I you know, we'll continue gr- on with. You're what, the,
1: you're like the person that's been in a really abusive relationship. You've been hurt so much. This has happened. This has been so many of these nights. Right. It's just that like you have the force field up, but I, but at the same time, we all know you, Mark. We know there's something going on behind that that wall, and it's probably excitement. I think it is. I don't know hard, what the we don't
2: know. I don't know what the order of the show is, but we can get into Mayfield whenever you would like. <laughs> how it, does but.
4: how does Mark Bennett we're talking about him? So what do you think we're talking about? Well, it's here
2: is the thing. I will say what happened, and it was again it is, it is touched. It is a Twitter type thing. The minute they pick him, I like the pick. I told you on the show last week I didn't want Sam Darnold. I did my. It was not enough as much homework as as Carbs and some of these other guys. But I watched all these guys, and I came away really loving kind of the energy of Baker Mayfield. I loved Rosen, too. But they got Mayfield. I thought that was a twist and turn that no one saw coming two days ago. But I do think that there were a lot of people in that building that did their homework, that came away feeling he was their guy. And right away on Twitter, and this is an issue with Browns fans in general, it's immediate from half of them or a segment of them, immediate negativity. And it's like, can you let it breathe for five minutes before we start killing the organization for an off season worth of homework? We have no idea. Have we learned anything at this point, whether you're a fan or you cover the game or both? that you you do not know on April 20-whatever how this is going to shake out. We've been wrong it's so being many based times. On,
1: it's being, it's, with people that are doubting the Browns, it's obvious why they do it. It's based on track record of right. always picking the wrong guy. But that doesn't mean, and that's as a Jets fan, I'm saying the same thing, that doesn't mean they didn't get it right that's, this time. That's, that's why this is such a great night. It's a fresh night.
2: start, and I don't think just because you've made mistakes in the past and anything in life— that you stop trying. They ha- it, the, the the scared thing to do would have been to not pick a quarterback at all because you want to continue to be one of these teams that doesn't have one. You tried for it. Let's see how it works out before we kill it.
4: You weren't in the Browns' war room, so you can't give a definitive answer on this. But I, I got the suspicion that Scott McLuhan, who has a very good track record, record and is very opinionated, his fingerprints are, are all, all over those first two picks that the Browns made. Do you have 100%. any sense in-
2: well, here's the thing. When they showed the war room, when they were all hovered around, it was not hovered around John Dorsey and Hugh Jackson. It was John Dorsey and Scott McLuhan. And Scott McLuhan has been a Baker Mayfield guy from the beginning. And I think that for the people in that building that wanted Darnold and there were those people, that McLuhan's voice and whoever else felt the same way won out. I don't think this was unanimous. So you've got to, That we'll see how that plays out.
1: So this is how the 2018 NFL Draft – we'll get to actually how it actually really started – uh, with Roger Goodell taking the stage We'll get to that But this is how the first pick sounded uh, Potential history It is history one way or the other for the Cleveland Browns Baker, Mr. Dorsey, how are you? Hey, let me ask you a question You will to be the first pick in the draft? Well, buddy, boy, I want you to get excited
0: With the first pick in the 2018 NFL Draft The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield Wow Oklahoma. It is Baker Mayfield
1: It's so funny because, Greg, the whole process of the pre-draft and the endless speculation, Mayfield never was connected to the first pick. And then out of nowhere, he shows up in about 48 hours before the draft. Right,
3: nothing until this week. Nothing. Right. It was all Darnold and Josh Allen. And it just goes to show not only that no one knows anything, but – the NFL's changing a little, and this was a gutsy pick, and I think the fact that it's the Browns and just all the attention of Mayfield, he's such a famous guy, kind of overshadows what an unlikely pick he is, because he's an under, I mean, a walk-on player who became a Heisman Trophy winner, who's under 6'1", who's coming from a spread offense. Those are all sorts of things that the NFL sort of didn't have an open mind about as recently as... You know, a couple of years ago, and I think along with the Lamar Jackson pick at the end of the round, it's maybe thinking about what's the NFL turning into, and that Baker Mayfield fits in that.
1: It, it was so interesting that, especially, and we talked about like Baker and everybody, Baker Mayfield, Johnny Manziel. I thought I give the Browns credit that, and it might be the McLuhan effect, like it was very easy to turn away from Mayfield because we already went down this road where we went for the flashy guy, the Heisman Trophy winner, the guy that moves the needle, that has some ups and some downs, some off-the-field issues. It would have been very easy just to cross them off the list. And I thought at the beginning of this process there would be no way the Browns would take um, Mayfield for that very reason. But I think they sided. One thing about the Browns, you got to give them the fact that they are not afraid to make a splash and take chances. And they're doing it again here because, it could. I mean, there's a chance, Wes, that it doesn't work out, but there is – the very real chance that it does, and then everything changes for that organization.
4: It does, and I think if you're among the group that has Sashi Brown already like nominated for sainthood, this <laughs> has to be a very vexing pick because you kind of are – it's a letdown. You, where's your angst? Where's your rage? You can't rage against Josh Allen because you took the analytics darling number one overall in Baker Mayfield. So there's got to be a little bit of a if, – if you're one of those guys who's just always analytics <laughs> – you can't
2: get mad at the Browns. That's very well said because it says that someone, whether it's John Dorsey, whoever, di- did listen to the analytical argument here. The AIQ score, he was off the charts on that. Baker Mayfield, in terms of his his accuracy and the way he graded out from PFF in multiple categories, was the number one analytics quarterback in this draft. And, and, and outside of Darnold, there was no one else really even close. So you can't just say that... John Dorsey is this big meathead football guy that just falls for body type because that's not what happened here when (laughs) when it finally came down to the pick.
3: No, I think he takes a lot into account, and it's his pick. I mean, as much as McGloughin has influence, I'm not sure Scott McGloughin knew the pick either until very recently. It's Dorsey getting all these opinions and making the pick. And I do – who knows? There's no way to know, but I I have to imagine that they believe Baker Mayfield had the right – character and the right attitude to take on this challenge that they liked that i mean dorsey's kind of a in your face guy baker like they liked his bravado i think that was a, a like whatever character or anything you want to talk about i think that was a plus i
4: field. mean anyone who's ever played sports has to like his bravado right
3: right
2: well did you so dorsey had this quote yesterday and it may apply to mayfield or anyone that had these you know hovering character concerns he told Josina Anderson ESPN. He said, "If you have certain blemishes on your track record, I want to meet with you face to face. I want to see what lies within your soul, and I'll find out within 15 minutes if you have a soul or not."
3: It's a great. That quote. is an insane quote, and it's I kind of like it. it. It before we move, it is. It, he's now kind of turned into a guy that we expected to go high in the draft, but it's still kind of a. It's a. It's a surprising pick to some people. Like Mike Mayock didn't have him in his top 20. Right. 20 players. Uh, Josh Norris, who we had on the show, didn't have him in his top 20 players. So people saw these quarterbacks all so differently. I mean, some people had Rosen one, and the other guys were buried, not even in the top 20, and then vice versa with Mayfield. It's like every team saw them so differently.
1: So what we're going to do here, we just talked about Mayfield, and if you're a listener of the podcast, you know that as the we walked up to the draft, we, we went a deep dive on five of the top quarterbacks in this class. All five of those guys were actually drafted in the first round, and... Uh, we'll go through the Giants and all the other picks in between. But after the Giants take Saquon Barkley number two, the Jets then uh, take Sam Darnold. And um, this one, it feels like it's been a year in the making, and it was quite like a roller coaster because a year ago when the Jets were being talked about as a potential 0-16 team, uh, that's when the suck for Sam, or as I coined it, the scam for Sam started, and just this belief, if anything, if nothing else, eat this 1-15 2-14, and 14, and then get this guy who at the time last year was the number one prospect. And then things happened. The Jets ended up winning five games, and you thought they were out. Then they traded into the top three, but you still thought they that Darnold wasn't in the mix. And then on top of it, the Jets didn't even think Darnold was in the mix because they didn't even schedule a private visit with him until right at the deadline. And then things started to change. So there he is sitting at number three, and I, I applaud the pick by the Jets because I know they were hot on Rosen. I know they – liked Mayfield, but Darnold is to me the safest bet is everything we're hearing. And I don't get too worked up about the turnovers last season. I think that he has enough quality tangibles that make intangibles that make you really excited that they have a long term guy. Wes, did you like this pick?
4: I did, and all you Dan Hansis have asked out of your team for the past twelve months is to deliver Sam Darnold <laughs> and give you away off the hamster wheel that is the irrelevance of a bad football team in the NFL. All you wanted was something to give you hope for the future because there is no hope in the present. So I think mission accomplished was Sam Darnold, who many people viewed as the top quarterback in the draft. He
1: is He's somebody to build around, which they haven't had at the quarterback position. They failed with Mark Sanchez, drafted number six in 2009. And ever since Sanchez, it's been just – one middling veteran after another, one Band-Aid after another, and it got very frustrating as a Jet fan. So the idea that maybe now it actually worked out the timing, maybe the fact that they liked Mayfield, but the Browns liked Mayfield and had the opportunity to get him ahead, that it actually works out and the Jets end up getting the guy they wanted all along. Something could go if right you, for yeah, the Jets. If, you,
2: if, you look, if, if, if this works out for them and they do a Jets a football life at some point, the way that this draft played into their favor is part of the story – it, and outside of Chad Pennington and a, a one semi-intriguing uh, season with Brett Favre, this is a stunning point of departure for a Jets fan base that has no had no quarterback like this to really rally around. This is a scouts favorite, and they talk about him being the safest floor and potentially the highest ceiling you have to see. I think the fumbles would concern me a lot more than the interceptions based on the way they look at his tape in, at USC. Did not have good wide receivers last year either. But I think if you're a Jets fan, you have to feel like from a certain point of view, they potentially walked right into the best quarterback in the draft. I think it, it, fit, it goes down to fit, and it's a good fit
4: for the Jets. The highest-rated quarterback Daniel Jeremiah has graded in the last three draft classes.
1: Mm, love it, and there's no complaining about the moving up to three now. What you didn't realize and what you couldn't have known at the time was giving up the six and the three second rounders that kept you in the mix for Darnold, which they, I don't think he would have lasted till six. Who knows? But probably not.
3: No, they, it all – what a night for Mike McCagnin, who is very much on the hot seat if they had a terrible year or if he picks a quarterback that struggles. And the the trade, which had a gamble to it, because you really didn't know exactly – I'm sure they loved three quarterbacks or they, they, they were comfortable with whatever they got. But to get Darnold is incredible. And I, I do think it matters that he's the third youngest quarterback drafted in the first round since 1970. He's 20 years old right now. And Mayfield's twenty three doesn't mean that he's a better prospect, but I think that's something to consider. <laughs> I mean that He right. was
4: playing against the older players. Right. That he, matters.
3: He is significantly younger, and you gotta keep that in mind if he ends up getting thrown out there this year. But I do think that gives him a little more room to grow and to keep getting better. That's
2: an upside. There's no doubt. I mean, if you, you can wait two years to play him, I don't think they will. I think they'll probably more likely wait two months. But He's he would only he'd be 22 at that point. I mean, you've got that extra time to work. you don't have to like burn Baker Mayfield. You wait two years with Tyrod Taylor. Baker Mayfield's 25. That's an issue.
4: That's a tenet of analytics in every sport that it's always better to get the younger player because you're facing older competition. If you can do it at a younger age, plus you have that upside to grow. I, I think that's that's something that scouts and analytics agree on.
3: Don't you think? Like his and DJ, Daniel, Daniel, Jeremiah, Daniel Jeremiah made this point. I think there's something to it. Just that, Darnold's kind of the the flat line, unflappable guy in the draft that doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. That that's I think that's a good that's a good way to be in New York.
1: Yeah, he seems to have the right temperament for sure. And I I had really gotten excited about Mayfield. He's the most exciting quarterback I think in this draft class. And then Rosen, Wes, you've played into it because you're such a big fan of him and everything I've read and and heard about him. I would have been okay with Rosen, but Darnold's the guy that from day one was the guy that I, I really wanted. So the fact that they actually got to pick, it's a very good day. Got a lot of text, obviously mentioned. How you feeling? You happy? I am thrilled. This is I think it also one teaches of my favorite you, like, Jets days in a long time.
2: And you don't have to tank. Enough with this tanking business. Go do handle <laughs> your season the best you can. And, you, and if you do that, you come out with the right guy. Well, it on worked the other out. End.
3: You started, you know tweeting scam for Sam. I think it was still two seasons It's about this. Yeah, right. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> right? No, it's it, it, all, it all happened in the <laughs> end. It, it took a, it was kind of a wayward, crazy path to get there. They needed
1: to because of the three game winning streak, which was horrible in September, they needed to trade away three second round picks. That was the cost of that winning streak. But if Sam Darnold is the real deal, it was a great trade and a great day in Jets history. The next quarterback off the board was number seven overall. That was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers spot. But they traded to the Buffalo Bills. And the Bills, what do they do with Josh Rosen on the board? They say, no, give us the other Josh. Josh Allen. And, uh, Mark, this was an a, a interesting day for Josh Allen. The day started with, and this is like the new thing. I don't care if you're in sports, entertainment, politics, whatever. Uh, make sure if you're young enough that you had Twitter when you were an idiot 15-year-old. You got to wipe that scrub Get rid it, of, scrub it just scrub in the it. off chance. You become a public if figure. if you work at NFL
2: media, scrub it. I would suggest it to some of them as well.
1: Right. But even at least you're a grown men and women uh, here. Sure. If you, we didn't know this, we're old men. But these kids, they're getting killed. Josh Allen, some moronic tweets. As How kid. old were
3: you and you got on Twitter? You just got me thinking, Mark. We should we should go back there.
2: <laughs> I mean, I have, we stu- I have stu- I <laughs> stuff I tweeted like three weeks ago. Not, not, this is a
1: different th- – these tweets – Everybody got on in 2009.
2: Yeah, This this came obviously at the worst time for Josh Allen, and it, it put him into, I don't know, for lack of better words, like damage control <laughs> right. to a high degree that began I mean, in he the had middle to call of the Stephen night. Stephen
1: A. Smith, can you think of anything
2: worse? It's, I mean, <laughs> I think if you're Josh Allen, you, yeah. <laughs> a little I mean, bit of a red
3: flag that his first thought, hey, let's call Stephen A. Smith. Because Stephen A. Yeah. came on later in the day and was like, Josh called me back again.
1: It was yeah, like, and what? Which leads to and this. just is like, like, hey, there's
3: a problem. Let's call Stephen you A. That's you don't call a Stephen A. Because it. then
1: the top headline on draft day before your draft, the most important day of your life is uh, that Josh Allen calls uh, in a panic after tweets surface. You, you don't want any of that. I thought you, said the, I thought you were going to say, Greg, the, the big red flag was uh, his walk-up song was Bon Jovi's Wanted Dead or Alive.
4: Thought that was what you're gonna say. That's like the deadliest catch theme song.
1: It is, right? Yeah. Um, but anyway, so it just feels very Bills, right? That Josh Allen ended up there.
2: I mean, this is—he already was the most polarizing quarterback in this group, in my opinion, because you had people, you know, scouts that I think are like sweating over them when they watch him because of the, the physical build and what he offers. Hot in the and pants, his, you're saying? Absolutely. I honestly think that it's a scout's dream on depending on who you are as a scout. Josh Allen, if he worked out, is everything you'd ever want in a quarterback. And if, he, if Josh Allen goes in the other direction, the way that so many fear, then it's a Bills draft pick where you're thinking, there were two Josh quarterbacks in this draft, and you took the one that is highly implode potential, and you went Josh Allen, and who knows? I mean, we, we don't know how it's going to work out, but this is not a guy that, from, by all accounts, is going to walk in week one and start, and this is the team that potentially could have used a week one starter.
1: AJ McCarron is the guy that's probably going to be starting their season. I have a contact that you guys know. I won't say his name, but he works with us. He's a huge Bills fan, legit. And uh, I checked in with him because his alma mater um, was my quarterback came from his school. So I was like, I, how you doing? And we had talked about the draft leading up to it. Uh, so this is what came up on our instant messaging client. Me, so, ellipses, Jesus Christ, I want to throw myself off this balcony.
2: This is, this is him speaking. Yes. Uh, the second part of that, or the whole entire statement there.
1: That's what he said. Okay. And uh, Trouble. He, he was very upset. And I wonder, I haven't really dug into fan reaction where Bill's fans are on this, because you had a chance to get a much safer prospect in Rosen, but you chose the upshot guy. Maybe because he could throw it in Western New York, West. Yeah. Because he's got a howitzer. As a physical specimen, you could not draw
4: up a more perfect quarterback for Buffalo than Josh Allen. Purely from physical tools st- standpoint, he's perfect for that franchise. And, I don't know, maybe wait and see how he does in an NFL game right, Exactly three before no, we write Wes. him off.
1: No, we have to make a decision I mean, right we now. We could
4: just decide we know everything about football and we can tell how <laughs> not having wide receivers will affect a guy's pro career. Or, you know, playing a little bit injured will affect how he's going to do the rest of his career. I don't know. I just think don't write him off.
3: No, it, it's interesting. They they had a certain type they wanted because I, I don't think you can look at the pick in a total vacuum. They decided to trade out of their number 10 pick last year, passing on Patrick Mahomes, who got taken there, and then Deshaun Watson, who got taken two picks later, basically to pick up draft capital. And now they use a lot of their draft capital to move up for both of their picks. But especially this one, they gave up uh, a pretty big price to move up for Josh Allen and take him. And I I pointed that out on Twitter. and A lot of Bills fans are like, well, it's not fair. It's a different GM, you know. It's like, well, first of all, that's your problem. You fired your GM right after the draft. That's a sign of a bad organization. Second of all, I don't think Doug Whaley was making the picks last (laughs) year, two days before he got fired. I assume that's... That's an organizational decision. It's Sean McDermott. They're they're taking a chance on Josh Allen. You gotta like what the Bills have done overall since Sean McDermott's gotten there, but this is basically the one pick that's gonna either make
1: I saw your reply actually. When you didn't say it's your problem. You said this isn't it this isn't an MP. This is a YP. Well, done. it's a it's a
4: risky draft, but they also could have hit a grand
1: slam with these two picks. Yeah, he could be sure. he could be exactly. better than Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson, for exactly. all we know.
4: I think Edmonds, the linebacker, was DJ's number six overall player, and DJ called him a potential perennial All Pro. He seems like a physical freak, and it's exactly what that Bills defense needed in the front seven. I I'm intrigued by what Brandon Bean has done,
3: and Allen a little bit like Blake. Bortles coming out, I think who I was excited about coming out is, is if nothing else, I think it's going to be fun to watch. For as much as he's been dogged, like, he's, a, he's an interesting player to watch. Like, when you see what he can do, it's not like you're going to be... I, he's not someone I'm like, oh, I, I'm annoyed that I'm going to have to watch Josh Allen this year. Like, good or bad, I think it'll be kind of fun.
1: I wish Claybon was here because then we could have him on to do trash takes. Uh, the trashiest take from Josh uh, Allen was, LeBron James sucks. Come on, this guy's unbelievable. He's almost neck and neck with MJ West. No, he's that? not.
2: <laughs> it's it's not premier Please. NBA analysis from Josh Allen. <laughs> uh,
1: the next quarterback off the board. Oh yeah, you got to go to pick ten. So we end up with four QBs going off off in the top ten. And this is a tra- this was my favorite trade of the night. I love that the Cardinals remember at the combine when Steve Wilkes is at the uh, standing at the podium and i don't know one of you guys i think was with me but it just there seemed to be so much working against arizona in that moment in time you didn't have the quarterback you didn't have the coach anymore the iconic coach and he was trying to fill those shoes and he didn't have the same charisma and he had all these holes on his roster and he had larry fitzgerald coming back but larry didn't really have anybody to throw it to him they signed sam bradford and everyone's like "Eh, okay gave 20 million dollars to sam bradford but now you trade up and you get Josh Rosen and Greg, first of all, he's in the tribe. I know you're excited about that.
3: I'm rooting for him.
1: Second of all, you told me downstairs that you were happy to go to the Jets because you didn't want to have to even think, entertain the idea of rooting for my favorite team. So you must love the idea of the Cardinals in the future.
3: Yeah, because I'm going root, to root on Josh Rosen wherever he was. Even if he was with the Jets, I would have rooted for him, and that would have been annoying not only because I love his personality and the way he carries himself and the things he says, but because I love watching the, the tape that I watched. To me, he seemed like the, the one that you, you saw him play college football and you said, that guy should be starting on Sundays. I can see like all the traits that you look for in terms of anticipation and accuracy and especially being able to throw under pressure. And just like, this is the guy. This seems like the, the safest pick. And I love him landing in Arizona. They have a lot to work on. Around him, it's not like any quarterback playing for that team, I think, is, you know, set up for you know immediate success with their offensive line uh, and their wide receiver group in general. Uh, but you have David Johnson and you probably don't have to play right away if you're Josh Rosen, at least not until like week four. Is it, when you think Dan Sam Bradford,
1: Bradford could again? get trade, traded? Mm. Well,
2: I'll tell you, it's it's it, draft day has become an annual Horror show for Mike Glennon, who who potentially <laughs> doesn't even make the roster at this. <laughs> I
4: point forgot yet. about yeah, or Mike. For Mike Glennon, let's yeah, not weep for Mike Glennon. I mean, nor he got I'm not paid like thirty million dollars. I am last not year. weeping for him, but I
3: would just say it is annoyed. Is, you know. It's been <laughs> a bit of bad like last year. He was at the draft party. I hope he wasn't at the Cardinals draft party this year. <laughs> I stay away from draft <laughs> parties, by because because Rosen was the guy.
4: People I mean, think.
1: he made eighteen million dollars the hard way on some level. Let's just say <laughs> you don't have to feel too bad for the. Guy. I,
3: I've made a lot less money in a lot harder ways. Rosen Rosen was the guy everyone thought is maybe the most day one ready starter, but he's the one who actually comes into this situation if Bradford is healthy, which is a huge if, where he won't need to really play.
1: Um, anyway. Josh Rosen, by or the way. Or he could start week one. Who we um, knew from reading that piece on ESPN, the magazine, we had on the, the writer and we, all the stuff. He's an interesting guy, and he thought he should have been off the board sooner. In fact, he made it – a mission statement. The moment he got drafted, to let everyone know that he wasn't happy. Here's what he said on NFL Network after he got drafted.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was pretty pissed off as I was sitting in the green room. I was seeing teams go by and pick some other quarterbacks that I think I'm very, very um, clearly better than. Mmm, saucer. Nine mistakes made ahead of me, and I, um, I will make sure over over the next decade or so that they they will, uh, they will know that they made a mistake. <laughs> I mean, a little cliche. Love it. It's a little cliche,
1: it. but I, I, it's,
0: yeah, fun.
4: it's the Peyton. It's a page out of Peyton Manning's book. You know what he told Bill Pulliam before the draft. But look at how bleak the Cardinals were a few months ago. Yep, losing Arians and Palmer, and what's the future? And how can you possibly get a quarterback? And now you get not not only the consensus best passer in a draft, but now one who's exceedingly motivated and is burning burning up. You can tell how pissed he is, and that's. That's ideal for the Cardinals. You give up a third and a fifth compared to what the Jets gave up. Right, they Good didn't really trade. have – that, 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 Is that what the Raiders – that's where they moved? Yeah, it was just now, Come on, John Gruden. <laughs> I'm telling
2: you, that's, that's like, I'm telling you, that that is uh, that is a fleecing. That is a fleecing.
1: You know what else is a fleecing? What John Gruden got for Martavis Bryant today. So maybe even Steven.
2: Well, it's it's re- not even Steven. Josh re- Rosen <laughs> is a mo- much more valuable commodity well, than Martavis Bryant. It's Reggie Bryant.
3: McKenzie, and you can – questioned the Raiders first round pick and a lot of people did right away. It was tackle Colton Miller, but it, they probably were going to take him there at 10. So you, you get what you can. You move back five spots. You get a third round pick. It's not it's not the end of the, the world.
1: Yeah, since we're here, Martavis Bryan acquired by the Raiders from the Steelers in exchange for the 79th overall pick. I know Brian's had off the field issues. I know there's possibility that he's. in Wait, you're saying
4: that's a steal for the Raiders?
1: That's a total steal in the final year
4: of his contract. You're giving up a third round pick for one year of a guy you can't count on.
1: Well, or he's an All Pro. I don't know. I maybe we obviously different opinion here. I, I mean, think, All I pro, think Brian has incredible upside.
4: If he was an All Pro, wouldn't he play over Juju Smith Schuster as a rookie?
1: We know that he had a falling out, and Juju Smith Schuster is a player.
4: Yeah, I'm just saying, like all pro is a bit of a, I don't know, like we you, for a guy who's that big of a risk and is in the final year of his contract, that's the, not the, exactly a
3: steal. The contract
4: – opinions
1: differ. Apparently.
3: The contract, I agree. You called him one of the top ten most talented wide receivers in the game a couple of years ago, so it is. It's pronouns. Uh, Wesseling called them. Uh, yeah, of the but top since then he's
4: proven the to be a horrendous teammate and unreliable.
3: It, it's a risk. I kind of like the the John Gruden Raiders. They're not going to be boring. Like, well,
2: they also may not be interesting. We will find out. I want to say one thing about Josh Rosen that I feel well, like then for they would months. Be boring. <laughs> for, well, I, they're on my radar because I'm annoyed by the way they operate. I don't quite get the plan at this point. He keeps saying, I inherited this team that's rough and tumbling has all these needs. What are you doing to improve it? Please lay out your roadmap to me. I'll wait and see. But when it comes to Josh <laughs> Rosen, I feel like. I mean, he's like laying it out.
1: He's giving you a roadmap. I,
2: you know what? I'll feel, here's the thing about Josh Rosen. I feel like for weeks and weeks and weeks, it has been telecast to everyone. This is. This is this year's version, potentially, of everyone passing on Aaron Rodgers. And it's so on the nose that he's hanging out with Aaron Rodgers. And he's doing you know, specials with Aaron Rodgers. And they're sitting there on the grass discussing life. And he's got that same chip on his shoulder. And here it's happened yeah. that I think this is a quarterback we're going to look back on and say, I understand he wasn't a scout's dream for various reasons. But there are. we can get excited about Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. Maybe they work out. But I think all along, I think teams are going to have to look at themselves and say, why, if we're so newfangled and new thinking that we're picking Mayfield at one and we're picking Lamar Jackson at 32, how did this guy get down to number 10 Preach! NFL? Preach. Is- I, I, this is the guy I would be concerned about if you are in the
3: NFC West or if you're a team that did not pick him. The thing that was crazy to me, and I, and I know we want to move on, is Both Daniel Jeremiah and Mike Mayock were adamant this is the best pure passer in this draft. And it's like, well, what is a quarterback's job? How is that not your, you know, neither one of them ranked as their top ten. To win from the pocket is what John
4: Elway said a week ago. What I've learned over the years, the number one job of the quarterback in the NFL is to win from the pocket. Steve Young, the most effective rushing quarterback, dual threat quarterback in history, has said the exact same thing. The job of an NFL quarterback is to win from the pocket, and yet John
1: Elway passed on Josh Rosen.
4: That's well. Fair.
2: There's this other side of Josh Rosen that all these guys like him that way, but they all buried him in their ratings and their rankings. And it comes down to this: does he love football enough? Thing, and you know what? Well, if he also plays durability for t- okay, durability. Definition. But let's Both say let's say he plays for ten or twelve years,
3: and he plays at a high level. He likes football enough. Well, I mean, I just we'll <laughs> we don't know him personally, so we'll in, see. And David Shaw, who played against him and who uh, was I believe on the same staff with Andrew Luck said he's the best pure passer since Andrew Luck. Like it was not just this year, but that's a guy who had to watch his tape for three straight years.
1: But does he love the game? Greg, does he truly read that? Mike Silver uh, long form was a good one. Um, And the final quarterback taken in the first round. Yes. As Mark alluded to number 32, the Ravens trade up with the Eagles who Jeremiah, uh, who Jeremiah did a nice job today on network and he knows his stuff. Obviously they should give him a podcast. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like that would be a good platform for him. Yeah, I don't know if he, it would thrive or not, or if it would work. Maybe team him up with somebody. I like Bucky; he's good. I mean, it's maybe start, start a podcast.
2: It, it would start as a middling show for four or five years, and then maybe right. elevate as the audience. You get a, you get build an but audience. I feel like the
1: ceiling is middling with a move the sticks. podcast Very much so. I'm just naming yeah. it because I know that's the Twitter handle he uses.
2: Low floor, low ceiling. <laughs> yes,
1: but very good job tonight on the the telecast. In primetime on Fox. Good job. Anyway, number 32. <laughs> Dan's been cheering down in the newsroom.
3: voice is uh, getting a little husky. I'm though. a
1: little under the weather. I'm fighting through. Kim Carnes. The little sea cannot stop me on this glorious day in Jets history. The Ravens select Lamar Jackson, and the narrative was cooking at 212 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, immediately, that it was Ozzie Newsom's goodbye gift to the Ravens. All right, everybody calm down about that. But... Very nice move, I think, for the Ravens. And uh, everybody was excited about it, and everybody's excited about Lamar Jackson's potential. Uh, Steve Smith uh, wanted to play this because I quite enjoyed this, who also did a very nice job sitting outside AT&T Stadium, uh, immediately did some, and remember, Steve Smith is a former Raven who played with Joe Flacco, had this to say about how he believes the arrival of Lamar Jackson will affect the Ravens' quarterback room. There's going to be not just some thick competition. You got RG3. You're out, buddy. You got Lamar Jackson and Joe, who looks like he might be just like us. Oh, five more minutes till we out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I love Steve Smith. He's not like any of these other talking heads out there. You know what? was keeps it real.
3: What was amazing <laughs> is they had him on the set with Troy Aikman and Mariochi, and seeing Troy Aikman's face as. Steve oh, Smith. Aikman could not. Wrap his head around Smith who he's is sitting going, next to. I like this. It was just like, wait, Joe Buck doesn't talk like this. What's going on? Why here? is this man being I human? Thought a- I thought Aikman did a great job. <laughs> he did today. a really good yeah. job, but he was clearly not going to like be slamming other NFL courts. That's not his MO. Aikman's
1: M- a that. total pro, but he's very establishment. Sure. And Steve Smith works for the epitome of the establishment, our company, but he doesn't talk like a guy that works for the establishment. That's why I like Steve Smith as an analyst.
4: He's great. I am in love with what Ozzie Newsom has done this offseason, if not only for the congruency. His plan has come together, the offseason plan and the draft night plan. The offseason plan, three new wide receivers, totally upgraded that room. He knew he needed a first-round tight end. He's got some weapons for the passing game. And now you get Lamar Jackson as your insurance policy for Joe Flacco. And the offensive coordinator who called the plays in Michael Vick's career year, 2010, is the offensive coordinator now for Lamar Jackson, I I think Ozzie Newsom has had a really interesting offseason, and and I think his plans have all come together.
2: Yeah, and and to Steve Smith's point, I don't know if insurance policy, I don't know if that tag will last that long with Lamar Jackson. Obviously, he's going to need a little time to uh, acclimate, but at the same time, like, when you're Joe Flacco and you spent last season kind of lumbering around with a bum back and you've got this (laughs) electrifying, like, five-star athlete behind
3: you, I mean –
2: yeah, you it's get out weird. to a nice 1 and 3 start in Baltimore. Lamar Jackson's not going to be not going to take too long for them to put him on the well, field. It's,
3: it's crazy. I was trying to think like what Starting quarterback and backup quarterback could possibly be any different than these two. And then I remembered, oh wait, Tom Savage was replaced by Deshaun Watson in Week One last year. I Tom guess you pull it off. But he, you can make that tr- transition pretty quickly if you want to.
4: It must be like George Mike and watching Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell come <laughs> into the league. <laughs> it, it really,
3: it really, it's amazing because it's the 30-second pick, but he—it's as fascinating and as exciting as any pick. That was made as the number one pick. Right. Look, he he beat out. He lost to Baker Mayfield in the Heisman Trophy this year. He was third. He beat out Deshaun Watson for the Heisman Trophy two years ago. And you just watch him. And I don't know if he's going to translate or not. But he's the he's the best. Like Troy Aikman put it well. He's like, I haven't seen any player enter the league like that, making moves like that since Barry Sanders. Like that's the type of running talent that he has, and so if you can combine that and create the right offense around him, like and it's I don't not just know, I'm all in. A,
2: there was some I was watching in one of his games earlier, and there's a play where he, he there's total chaos happening. He's in the pocket, he goes out, he comes back into the pocket, completely sets his feet, and throws a bomb like fifty six yards downfield, right on the money. It's not just chaos happening with this guy. He has pocket presence. I think they were kind of saying this guy's game is going to grow very quickly because of how quickly he grew in college, and the Ravens are going to win, like, three Super Bowls, and He's I'm going to too. drive off I-10. <laughs>
1: by the way, this is the first uh, first round in NFL draft history that was bookended by Heisman Trophy winners. Mm. I don't know that, actually. I just made it up, but it's probably it, true. It, it, and the, first, the true. first draft probably since true.
2: 99 with five quarterbacks in the first round.
1: I like that. Nugget, I like mine a little bit more though.
2: I mean, I'm just I you, we yeah. led with yours. Yeah, I
4: came in with a and secondary nugget. Yours
1: is the Robin to his Batman, and and uh, don't like that. On another on <laughs> another note, Greg, I know uh, you were busy cranking away on your winners and losers of uh, night one uh, during this draft, but I know it hurt that your Patriots, who have Brian Hoyer as next man yes. up, uh, passed twice on Lamar Jackson in the 20s. Yeah, that's what the, I
3: wanted, was Lamar Jackson, especially when it got to the 31 pick. I just would have been so much fun to look forward to a future with Lamar Jackson. Do you think they
2: decided no, not for us? Because why not at 31? The value there.
3: How, I, I we,
4: think Dan's with me on this one. I was much more disappointed that the Jaguars passed on Lamar Jackson. Yeah, that yeah. was surprising. To that me. would have been a very intriguing fit, and I guarantee you that would have put – the fear of God into the rest of the I, AFC. Well, I, Wes, how about, by the
2: way, the Bengals? Yeah. Uh, this is a team that just handed Lamar Jackson to the Baltimore Ravens, and you have had an identifiable issue at quarterback.
1: But pro there's, or con there's a Andy reason Dalton he went now, 32. Come on. Right. As I, this podcast, this room is on fire about Lamar Jackson. Right. Spice Rack's on fire about Lamar Jackson. A lot of people like Lamar Jackson, but there's a there's a reason potentially he didn't go in the top sure. five. And there could be nefarious, like, negative, unfair reasons, or maybe they see qualities in his game that aren't up to snuff, and that's the fun part we're going to get to sure, see play he's out. he's a
3: little bit more of a projection, kind of like Josh Allen, who, you know, was taken much earlier, but he's a little bit more of a projection. I think the Patriots probably had him at some point on their board. They would have taken him, but they loved Sony Michel, like, who is who we can get to, but I, I bet they just thought he was – Uh, a difference-making talent that mattered more, and so they took him.
1: I wonder if um, Dave Gettleman, speaking of teams that maybe would have been interested in Lamar Jackson, was getting excited because picking second pick of the second round tomorrow, the chance of getting Saquon Barkley, and we could now transition into the rest of the top 10. The Giants pick Saquon Barkley, uh, number two overall, uh, maybe, and they leave the quarterback uh, position unsettled, not going to get, obviously, Lamar Jackson tomorrow, uh, but Barkley was the guy that we heard forever and ever. A lot of people thought that the Giants would trade out West, but at the end of the day, they went with the guy that they think is a potential all-pro year after year. Can't kill him for it, right?
4: Yeah, Greg had a smart tweet the other day that the the Giants' entire offseason feels like an apology for benching Eli uh,
3: in order to start. An over-apology. It's like the Mark Sanchez contract that Tannenbaum gave him. Yeah, but it went after Peyton Manning.
4: But their entire offseason is also another thing. It's very telling that they think McAdoo was a terrible coach and that Eli Manning is salvageable, that this team can contend with Saquon Barkley, and that they don't need another quarterback because the problem wasn't Eli, it was McAdoo.
3: Well, I think they're right about the McAdoo part. But I, I still think – and Eli's got every chance to succeed now. I mean, that that group around him is awesome.
4: Yeah,
1: I mean, Barkley, yeah, if Ingram, the offensive line Shepard, is what they Beckham, want it to be.
3: It, you could make the argument, I guess, that even if they're if if they go six and ten this year and they're annoyed because Sam Darnold's looking great for the Jets, they have a great looking offense for the next quarterback. They eventually, if they, but I just think you're in that they spot. They have a killer you take schedule. The, you take the quarterback.
1: They have a killer schedule. If Eli bombs with that schedule, who knows how schedules work out? But if the Giants go five and eleven, they'll still have all these studs, and then they could go all in and maybe get a quarterback next year. Um, but it is risky, though. Because they do risk now Eli falling off a cliff next year and this guy Darnold playing in the same building, potentially lighting up the AFC East. And the Giants don't usually lose PR battles to the Jets, but it is they are walking that tightrope hoping it doesn't work again.
2: I, I, lo- I think from weeks and weeks and months ago, they looked at Saquon Barkley and said, I don't care who is there. This is our guy. They have felt they fell so hard in love with him, and it was it was a best player available. But it also addressed a burning need for the Giants that has been dogging them for years. And I think it fundamentally changes their offense.
3: And I, I think the running back shouldn't be taken high. Idea is old. Like I don't. I because didn't, of costs and like, all this business. I, Come on. I think they should have taken a quarterback. But once you took that out of the mix. Like, I don't get that a great running back changes your offense, and especially in today's NFL where if you can have a guy who stays on the field all three downs and is a huge factor in the passing game who can run better routes than your slot receiver, it's like those guys are such difference makers. Of course they're worth the high pick. It
4: affects winning percentage in the first year more than any other position historically.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on. So the Cleveland Browns have the, their second first-round pick at number four. It is the pick they got for trading – uh, their pick last year to Houston, which became Deshaun Watson, and they get Denzel Ward at cornerback. A lot of people thought Bradley Chubb would go to either the Giants or the Browns uh, at two and four, respectively. But instead, Chubb goes to the Denver Broncos at five. Uh, so those are two picks uh, that you can't quibble with, really, either.
2: All I'd say is I understand like the the gasps in our newsroom when the Browns didn't take. Bradley Chubb and and they are that is going to be one of those picks and they seem to always fall into this world where you're going to be tracking Bradley Chubb forever if you're a Browns fan. At the same time, I think it's it's easy. How many people who are casual fans even know who Emmanuel Ogba is? Who is a talented pass rusher who is perfectly adequate, beyond adequate to pair with Miles Garrett, who you put a high draft pick on a couple years ago. Do you just keep selling these guys down the river? I think. Denzel Ward was DJ's number four player in his top fifty list. This is not as as Roto World stated. Well, it was a surprise, but it was not a reach. They were one of the worst passing defenses last year and have been for years on end. You get an incredibly athletic cornerback coming out of a school that produces good cornerbacks in Ohio State. So, as much as it's all about Bradley Chubb not going to Cleveland, it's the way it is. You got it. They. I think I, part of
1: have, it was also the. Idea of Miles Garrett and Chubb on the edges, destroying quarterbacks. Right. So I, I honestly think I think
2: that I, I I understand that Ogba's not as flashy right now in April. I think that you have two very good pass rushers, and you just I don't know. It's their decision. Well, they just
3: think Ward's a better player because you need as many pass rushers. I mean, they better be as, right. As you can get, he's the highest drafted cornerback since Charles Woodson. So, wow. So he, I mean, that is a difference-making statement that they're saying about Ward.
1: The Colts at number six, a lot of people thought they would trade out of that pick. They did not. They stayed there, and it makes a lot of sense that they went with Quentin Nelson. Uh, We talked about this uh, last week or on Monday. Um, This makes a lot of sense for the Colts because they're putting things back together slowly, and what do you have to do more than anything other than getting Andrew Luck back in the field is find a way to protect him. So maybe it would have been good to stockpile some picks, but getting a guy that people talk about is – potential gold jacket type guy can't quibble with that either that's a solid pick
4: everybody's been begging the Colts forever to fix their offensive line I didn't think it was that big of a problem last year but Quentin Nelson like you said he's viewed as the next Steve Hutchinson the next John Hannah he's spoken about in these reverent tones as as you know what Dave Gettleman would say a future gold jacket guy to me that's For a Colts team that just needs difference makers at any position, why not go with the safest guy with the big upside?
2: And everyone on draft day wants flash. They want you to go get someone that they can imagine scoring touchdowns and blowing up quarterbacks. And then this might be the guy that like 14 years from now retires as a shoe-in Hall of Famer and the best pick in the entire draft.
3: Although we heard that Chance Warmack and Jonathan Cooper were like those those sort of guys too. Like, yeah, you can't miss on these guards up high. So you're saying
1: bum pick no, by I the Colts. Have, I have no. clue. I feel like Nelson I, was even the way he's been he, spoken about is different than even those yeah.
3: guys. Yes, I I agree. He's had more hype. than will those
1: guys, but you can't you can't hate the pick. The Bears take Raquan uh, Smith, uh, Raquan, Roquan? Raquan, Roquan Smith, linebacker out of Georgia. R- R-Smith. R-Smith. Bears
3: look a lot better. Just yeah, for, the, and, yeah. And they they, they might they, be
4: the most improved team in the
1: league. They look
3: NFL. a lot better. They and, are. <laughs> and he seems like a one of, again, it's dangerous to say that, but one of the safer and just like you'd be shocked if he doesn't end up working out types of
1: picks. 49ers address a need. Uh, the first tackle off the board, Mike McGlinchey out of Notre Dame. Uh, and then, of course, as we say, Rosen at 10. That was the top 10. Other takeaways from the rest of the first round. Get us started, Greg.
3: Well, just going off McGlinchey, and it'll be quick, was that all the analysts believe that this tackle class was bad. Most of them had very few in their top 20. Uh, DJ, for instance, had one tackle in his top 30 and I don't even think he went tonight. Uh, and yet these teams, I was wondering going into, are they just going to reach for guys because there's are no tackles. There's no tackles available in free agency. There's no – people say they're all stinking the league. And the 49ers take McGlinchey. We'll see if that's a reach. The Raiders were reportedly, according to Mayock, going to take him at 10. And then once he went at 9, they decided to trade back and they take another who Colton Miller, for whatever reason, seems to really piss off the draft Knicks that – that he's a bomb and it's some sort of like zone blocking project for Tom Cable, which hasn't really worked out in the past. So I'm wondering with these tackles and and the Patriots took Isaiah Wynn, who for whatever reason the draft nicks like a little more, might play guard. Like whether these guys will wind up being reaches in the long run.
2: I look at a Dolphins team in Minka Fitzpatrick. You got a player that Nick Saban out of Alabama absolutely loves, adores, and I think he's going to be a great pick for that defense. At the same time. You're the team at number 11 that watched Josh Rosen pick one spot before you. And we just talked how transformative that pick is. Just for us, watching all these teams, how differently we feel about the Cardinals because of the presence of Josh Rosen. We'll find out if we're right. But the Dolphins will never have the chance to find out what that team, which has been one of the more hideously boring offenses to watch during our tenure here, what that they've needed an injection of life. And we talked about adding, whether it was Baker Mayfield was the guy they were linked to, but it could have been Josh Rosen, and you sit at number 11, you don't move, you allow teams to jump up ahead of you, and you will pay the price.
1: Well, <laughs> there's the fireball on that one. Bunsen burner. I, I think in going back to Adam Gase at, at the owners' meetings, I really believed in what he said. when like, He's into Ryan Tannehill, and I think he probably has sway in that organization, and they trust his judgment on it. That's what I took out of when we, we met with him. And that's I. That's why I thought they were never going to get involved with this quarterback business. And now we're going to see if Tannehill has one last shot. Apparently there was. A I report- never thought
3: they'd trade up, but it, I was re- That was almost the most exciting moment of the draft to me. That and when the Saints traded up, and I thought they were going to take Lamar Jackson. Right. Was I was waiting for Josh Rosen to maybe be there, and because I was so fascinated to see would they kind of mm-hmm. move on from Tannehill or not if he felt a
1: near miss of intrigue there haunts Greg. <laughs> and since you mentioned the Saints, let's bring it up because they make the trade with the Packers, um, giving up a first-round pick, which is premium real estate in this National Football League, and that which led to on the NFL Network set uh, Mike Mayock and uh, Jeremiah, who's definitely I think he should start a podcast. I think
2: a lot of promise. I mean, definitely something. I mean, some promise.
1: Don't set don't set the goals too high. You just want to have a nice. Loyal, small following. Uh, that's what he should do. But I think what happened here is
2: <laughs> Wes cannot stand the quasi-real, <laughs> potentially not real beef with with uh, DJ.
1: So everybody got so fired up.
4: The listeners like it. That's all that matters.
1: The people got so <laughs> fired up on this dais about the Saints getting Lamar Jackson, and then Raga goes up to the stage and announces Marcus Davenport. And, yeah, I think it it feels like a missed opportunity.
4: Can we stop buying the hype every year that the Saints are going to draft a first-round quarterback? Thank you. (laughs) Every freaking year, people just hook, line, and sinker. Oh, yeah, of course the Saints are going to draft a first-round quarterback. They got Drew Brees. Give me a break. Also, the hubris that you're only one player away from a title team. You're also one or two injuries away from being the most disappointing team in the
3: league, so calm down on one player away from the Super Bowl. It's always – (laughs) those trades very rarely work. The, eh, we're just one player away. Let's just go for it. Like, the trade value chart essentially exploded after this trade. Like, the Saints totally disregarded any sense of value and gave the Packers uh new GM Brian Gutekinds the little, uh, little win for his first because he ended up using those picks to move back up. Uh, got a ton of value. I really – I did not like this move. First of all, he was talked about as a project, Marcus Davenport. You know they don't have a great history drafting pass rushers, but I like it a lot less when I heard when I heard Sean Payton's uh, defense of it. He said, "People may uh, say that's a lot to trade up. It appears to be a lot, but shoot, what's our country's <laughs> national debt?" <laughs> what? What? There you go. What is it's he like, talking about? Uh, yeah, he's like, uh, let's let's. Bring up a totally crazy, <laughs> faulty economic model. You want to
4: live in a deficit. Yeah, he
3: won- He's like, he's like, let's just be, <laughs> let's just be the around the NFL podcast racking up credit card bills in hopes of We're our good bonus arriving. W- one, note, on, bonus. one
2: note on Marcus Davenport in the Bob McGinn annual scouting. Uh, you know, product that he puts out, which is a great read. Great product. There, there is, well, a lot of people love him. They say head of steam. Like if he was a, and the quarterback was B, it was a straight line into that. So there's a lot of promise there. So it's not to knock him on. I mean, this is from a scout though. He said also he's into some weird sh- Poetry and shit like that. He has other interests. He's not an alpha Ew. dog, but he's a pretty talented guy. Other guys killing him for being a renaissance man. It sounds almost like the defensive version of some sort of Josh Rosen thing where, oh, he has too many other interests. So it's like, I mean, I don't know.
3: Who is this I don't caveman like these that they turn to for now. forget these the scouts. scouts poetry. Unbelievable. Poetry. Alvin Kamara is a re- renaissance man. That worked out. I honestly.
1: like, um, speaking of Steve Smith, the Par- uh, the Carolina Panthers – are attempting again to address the wide receiver position. They drafted D.J. Moore out of Maryland. He was the first wide receiver off the board. And uh, Mr. Smith had this to say about uh, Mr. Moore. You really want to know the truth of how I feel? They have never been able to replace me until today.
3: That's awesome.
4: They also (laughs) called
1: D.J. Moore his
3: spirit animal. Yeah, he said it that did. before the draft. So it's almost like they were they were listening. To and, by the way,
1: after we brought up Troy Aikman before, after Smith, Steve Smith said that, they the, the camera stayed on their, their dais. And Troy Aikman looked like he was a guy at, like just back from war who saw too much, just staring straight <laughs> ahead. There was just no reaction at all. It was like, what that, is happening? That was it with the Ravens,
3: <laughs> too. It was really my favorite subplot of the inter- <laughs> That
1: Aikman-Smith chemistry.
4: Ooh, So good. Do you mind if I throw out a couple of Please, do it. The Chargers didn't miss the playoffs because they choked. They missed the playoffs because their field goal kicker was terrible at the beginning of the season. By the end of the season, they were clearly one of the best teams in the league, and now I believe they have the best roster in the AFC. Derwin James, hubba, hubba. a guy who was viewed as a top-ten talent, they needed a safety. That's exactly what they got. They've already got a defense that might stack up with anyone's in the NFL. I love that pick. They picked up Mike Pouncey at center to help with their offensive line. This is a team going in the right direction. Yeah, if
3: you, Dan, if you thought we were going to jump off the Chargers bandwagon. <laughs>
1: it's not happening. I mean, I, I always know good. It's once good August rolls around, the Chargers are the most unbeatable team in NFL history. And then by March, we're talking about how the next year's Chargers will be unbeatable. See what happens. Maybe this is the year. I don't know.
2: This good, is on your radar. It's a good this is your roster.
1: John Gruden. And this the Mike Gruden. Yeah. This is definitely Mike Gruden. What else, Wes?
4: The Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the past few years have had an embarrassing front seven. Can't rush the passer. Can't stop the run. They're always injured. And now they're sort of copying off the Eagles where they've just loaded up to the point where not only have they fixed their front seven, they are absolutely loaded with Vinnie Curry, Jason Pierre-Paul, Vita Veya, who they drafted in the first round, Mitch Unrind, Bill Allen. that's, That's not even including pro bowlers like Gerald McCoy. Levante David, you've got Quan Alexander at middle linebacker, you've got Noah Spence as a pass rusher. They are absolutely loaded in the front seven. That's how you fix a problem.
3: They they it reminds me of the Eagles. I mean, they've just firebombed that area with so much depth and so much so many numbers there that they're planning to kind of rotate them in and all, all in and out and they feel like quantity is going to be maybe a little bit over quality. Like, even if they miss on a couple of those guys, it doesn't matter. They're going to have a pretty good defensive line.
1: Seahawks traded back and actually picked in the first round for the first time in a while. And they're looking to now solve what's become a problem from that for that organization, the backfield. Um, and they drafted Rashad Penny out of San Diego State, who goes before Sony Michelle, who – Michelle right? Yep. Who a lot of people are very high on. He goes to the Patriots, uh, Greg. They have two first-round picks. Uh Michelle and they also took the guard uh which cost you some sandwiches. We'll get to our sa- sandwich props on Saturday. Uh but your thought on the uh, thoughts on the Giants uh I mean, I like or the Patriots uh, Friday.
3: I was like uh well who's that guy from Subway? Jared just passing out sandwiches. Like, I mean, I mean not not, not sure yeah, to Jared. not not a
2: apt uh comparison on any <laughs> level, Greg.
1: You gotta use somebody
2: other than Jared. <laughs> Who else Definitely. is the fam-
3: famous Santa
2: dealer? Maybe go I'll in a just, different direction with your parallels. He's in yeah, a just, prison just, sexual Yeah, you're predator. just walking
3: past the cell and I'm <laughs> throwing Santa He's Santa in the hoose gal. It's an
2: unappealing uh, comparison. How
1: about Santa? I don't know.
3: Sony Michelle was <laughs> reportedly... You know, questioned by some teams' medical staffs and taken off boards as a risk. That's just the type of player that the Patriots often like to take, kind of a high-risk, high-reward medical guy. When you watch him, he's the one guy after uh, Saquon Barkley in this draft that I think you see as just a guy who can change your offense. He's maybe not going to be on the field as many downs. He's not as big a player as Barkley, but he is a tough runner. Like I, I, I heard some comparisons to Alvin Kamara, and like Kamara, even though he looks like a little more – a little slender, like he can run and run people over in addition to being a really dynamic guy in space. And so he landed in a perfect spot. Hey, I whenever mean, that's a great team.
1: Whenever you can get a guy with a bone-on-bone situation in to be May in the first run, you got to make that move. To be, oh. well, to
3: be like your fifth <laughs> running back. But to
1: your
2: point, he's one of the few running backs – that were left that could play all three downs where there, there's a lot of these two down guys. I think and that's upside not a wise, and they,
3: they clearly, I would think agree that he was number two behind Barkley in terms of like, did he have the potential to have a Camara type
1: impact? Mark, do you have one more before we uh, start to close things out?
2: I think it's um, cool that two brothers were taken in the first one. I know that NFL number kind of beat that into a dead horse on air, but um, it's like, Kind of crazy that you. This was a father. Their father, Farrell Edmonds, played for the Dolphins. Was on Tech Mobile. Wes and I remembered. Oh yeah. But we're not. We'll go through the rest of our lifetime and never see that again. Probably two brothers in the first round, and you know it's tough if you're the Steelers to say we didn't even. If they, let's say they they took the lesser of the two, if they, at number 28 if it plays away, that we didn't even get the best player in this person's family in this draft. That's an unusual dynamic. But maybe they did. We'll have to see. Mm.
1: Falcons took Calvin Ridley at wide receiver, which hopefully makes Matt Ryan a more consistent fantasy. I like player that pick in 2018. I, I like nice, that. nice. That, wide are you going to, are
2: you going to get sucked back into Matt Ryan on the fantasy front?
1: I don't know I've been hurt.
2: This is a speed wide receiver. It's not necessarily they like need, a –
3: They needed that. Like, yes, they yeah, did. did. Mo Sanu fits better as a number three, and they needed someone a little Oh, more come on. Strong-tier. Sanu's been great as a he's, two. He's oh, a great damn. player. He gets a he's l- been one of the best twos in the league. He gets a lot of hype for a very good role player who's never topped 800 yards in his career. Like, literally –
1: That's Wes's boy. You know, he moves the happened, sticks right? when they need him to.
3: He's a great role player.
4: Move I'm,
1: the sticks. That's what they by should By the way, he the was the number two receiver
3: on one of the greatest
4: offenses of the 21st century. He's good enough to be. A he was.
3: And I'm a, I'm a Falcon. I love the Falcons. I I love, I want them to win the Super Bowl one of these years. Like, I'm rooting on the Falcons. And I think this they is the moment that should put them right back in the mix.
1: And my final thought, and just circling back to the top five, one thing with John Elway. When John Elway sees what he wants, he goes and he mm. gets what he
0: wants. This one's for John. This one's for John. This one's for John, this song's for John, this one's for John, and that one's for John. And
1: that's the thing about John also, Elway, this he knows what he for wants, John, and all he that gets one's
0: John. And what is he going to get?
1: Oh, just the greatest defensive end in the history of pro John. football. John Elway knew exactly, John Elway John. gets his man, John Elway. Hung back, and a lot of people were picking up the phone, trying to trade with John Elway, but John said no. He is sticking with his men, Bradley Chubb, generational talent. John does it again. He's back on top, folks. So great report. he's
2: basically saying, oh, do you want to see a man play the first round like a fiddle? How about I step in and do it for you?
3: <laughs> it's like, it, hey, you didn't, uh, you didn't think uh, I believed in Case Keenum as a franchise-changing quarterback? No, I totally believe in Case Keenum over Josh Rosen for the next five years. <laughs> Yikes. It's it's a huge risk,
4: Case Keenum, because that defense looks now like it did a few years ago when they won the Super Bowl. And you've got the best pass-rushing foursome in the league with Shane Ray and Shaq Barrett behind Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. Pretty good. You're getting after the quarterback. You're hitting them all day long with that defense. And then you've got Case Keenum leading an offense that cut its running back, hasn't fixed the offensive line, and has aging wide receivers on the downside of their career. Well, I'm kind
3: of in on them, though. As just like uh, I'm intrigued. Don't you want to watch that team? I want to watch that team, whether mm. they're whether they're good yeah. or bad. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, want to watch
2: every team. Gre- yeah, Greg, your bar for wanting to watch teams is relatively <laughs> oh, low. Yeah, so but... sue me. <laughs> I work at the NFL. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if every team is intriguing, I just say, no I, teams are intriguing. I totally so, agree yeah, with you know.
3: Wes's point on the defense. And if nothing else, Ke- the Case Keenum thing I, I, is – it's interesting whether it fails or not.
2: How would you feel up. if this Broncos pass rush were to crack Tom Brady like an egg in the middle of November next season, whenever they They've play? Done it before. You fired up
4: for those Frankie Ragnow Lions?
3: <laughs> oh yeah, did you? you can't wait wait to oh, the I was years. waiting for your point about the Lions. That's right. You were not, Wes. I don't want to pick on the Lions.
1: Before I've done the show, that you, weren't, you weren't
3: thrilled by the Ragnow pick.
1: Whenever no, you got the second best look, center off the board, it's probably got to do. It's the first probably center. Probably
4: it's probably a great football pick. I just. It's not doing the Lions any favors as far as becoming an interesting team to watch.
1: But the good news is they got right to work in their offseason program this year. So they're yeah. trending oh, in the right direction. They really are. In terms yeah. of just effort level about taking football seriously.
3: I mean, when you can get rag now just two years after you took Graham Glasgow. as a Wes is drafted, West is
1: highly annoyed hit. because
2: Wes <laughs> in the mock draft that I released yesterday, which was highly. Good work, by the way. It was suspect I mean, in its final product. Yeah, largely. It. But Wes, at, the, at cool. one pick after the Lions, had Frank Ragnow mocked to the Bengals, and then the Lions, in reality, IRL, jumped in and just stole Ragnow away from the Bengals, and
4: Wes was seething in his seat, seething. My takeaway would have been a little bit different than that. It's, it's the reminder <laughs> that the Bengals operate like a 1953 NFL team, and they still make territorial picks. So they went for their high school. Like, State oh guys. a center from like forty miles away. Gotta get Gotta him. Gotta get him.
3: Like they only take the guys they have for the local visits where they can have them there all day. Gotta
4: take Chris Perry over Steven Jackson because Chris Perry played in the Big Ten.
1: The <laughs> Wow. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> I love those regional stars. Uh the most uh uplifting um, moment of the evening was Ryan Shazier walking on stage. Uh, obviously ass. laboring to get there because the guy's gone through a lot and still has a lot. More to go through after suffering that spinal injury, but very cool to see him coming onto the stage with his fiance and uh, announcing the Steelers' pick of Terrell Edmonds. That was very cool. And um, finally, Roger Goodell. You thought that Goodell walking onto the stage to start the NFL draft would not lead to booze? Esp- would lead to booze, especially Dallas, where the Ezekiel Elliott suspension and all that negativity He's going to get booed almost anywhere. But especially Dallas. But no, as you'll hear in this clip, he got a rousing ovation. Uh, let's listen. In.
0: Welcome, football fans, to the
1: 2018 NFL Draft, Texas style. I can't believe you guys are going the Cowboys. Come on. Yeah, he's being a good sport about it. But it's funny that the move was, and it was a smart attempt, a smart effort here. Goodell came on the stage with all the big dogs. It was Troy Aikman. It was Roger Staubach. And it was Jason Witten. And they said, all right, this might counteract the booze.
2: Nah, it did not.
1: They got to start doing this I mean, like in 345 Park Avenue in the NFL home office. If you really want to avoid the booze, that's part of this event now. It's kind of fun.
3: It, the boos were louder in Dallas, I guess, because there was more. It was indoors mostly, and more people. But that that was insane. You couldn't real, you couldn't hear what Goodell said for the first <laughs> two minutes. But we have to, if we're gonna be talking about the crowd, we have to give the edge to the you know the Philly crowd from yes. last year. Won the Super Bowl and your and your draft crowd also beat <laughs> the Cowboys.
4: And also just beating
3: the, the uh, Cowboys at everything. I mean, it's just. I mean, the draft
2: threatens to become sure. like a late period Dave Matthews album, massively overproduced. What happened to the rawness of it? <laughs> Can we just get we back to? Gotta get you to... on the throwback podcast. Yeah, I'm just saying, it's an excellent analogy. Just a little bit, Beautiful little, bit DMB sh- ref. little bit too shiny.
1: <laughs> yeah, great. Come back to us, Too much polish. Yeah. Where is yeah. the ants marching era DMB? Please, yeah, okay. that's radio. Yeah, I, as the opposed
3: music to the, just like the gritty, like lo fi Listen, early I'm not. It's not really
1: a Dave Matthews comment. It's just
2: at the end of the Dave Matthews run, it was like. Please with yourselves.
1: I very think. different product. Right. He's right. It was actually okay. a really good analogy. There you go. <laughs> so you're thinking like, this is like circa like everyday era, Dave Matthews. Whereas at Radio City, it was like under the table and dreaming. Yes, very yes. much.
4: I think it's very generous of the shadowy League figures to allow us to continue to talk about music.
1: <laughs> very nice of <again>. him. <laughs> right. uh, we will be back on Saturday uh, to recap the final six rounds of basic Overview of the draft. Um, so make sure you check in on Saturday. Uh, and thank you to everybody for listening. And if you stayed up late waiting for the show, uh, I hope it was worth it. You guys are the best. And uh, it's the dawn of a new day.
2: Yes, it is.
1: I well, believe. Should we go get a drink? We got to celebrate. Oh, yeah. Let's go get a drink. Cozy time. This is Dan Hanza signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss. Oh yeah, Lindsey Fulton behind the glass. Miss Moneybags. Till Saturday night.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss, in the land of saints and sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the land of saints and sinners from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel.